God, I thank you for even just seconds of silence in a really busy and loud world. I ask that the words that we are going to speak, God, would be words that would inspire and stir the spirit in students' hearts. I ask God that you would bless our lips, open our hearts, open our eyes to all of the goodness of you that surrounds us, God, that we would be compassionate for those who are struggling and that we can celebrate with those uh, who are experiencing great joy. Lord, I just ask that in the midst of chaos, that people would look deeper and deeper to you. Um, that if anything, Lord, on the other side of this season, we could see people who never once before realized their need for you, but now cannot stop talking about how good you are, God. Mm-hmm. Father, I thank you for Santi and for his ministry here at the well. I ask that you continue to bless it, that you fill Santi up with the love and energy that only comes from you, God. Um, and then he would pour it out to students, and then that students would learn that they need to seek it for themselves as well, God. Father, you are good. And in your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, hello, everybody. Um, welcome to another episode. Um, we've taken like a two-week, uh, no, more like two-week, no, two-episode long break, which means we're like a month behind on episodes, and there's a reason for that. So I've been uh, researching and working on an episode for uh, or more like on the topic of pornography and related to sexuality and all those things, but uh, I just didn't feel comfortable posting you know what um, I had prepared, so it's taking a lot longer to prepare. But you know, I figured that we should probably just keep on moving on while I finish and prepare um, all those things. But uh, aside from that, uh, Robert, freshmen are here in town, which is insane. Yeah, um, our semesters are about to kick off and be crazy. But with that said, uh, the big, the honestly, the heart behind having people come over here on the podcast is to to kind of just shed light on uh, what does it look like to be a disciple of Jesus after college. Uh, you know, a big part of, of college is fun and it's real, but, you know, there's like a 100% guarantee that within four years, your life will look very different from how it looks now. So instead of providing tools on, you know, how to follow Jesus in college, I think we are more passionate about providing tools for you to know how to follow Jesus after college. Um, yeah. That's the heart behind it. So uh, with that said, I just want to keep on bringing people uh, here who are in various spaces, different fields. Like, you know, we have Baudry who's, you know, in cars. So he works at a dealership here in town. Audrey, a nurse. I mean, we just have multiple people with different professions. And then we have today the great... And I don't know what other term to use. Uh, Robert Lopez, spicy. Let's put it that way. Spicy, uh, Robert Lopez de Castilla. And uh, dude, so uh, before we jump in into just some of the questions that we've prepared for today, uh, would you mind just telling us a little bit about yourself, your life, uh, where do you work, what do you do, um, your family, et cetera? Yeah, for sure. So thanks for inviting me, Santi. Excited to be here. Love the well. Been here since my sophomore year at ACU. 
Uh, right now, I'm doing a graduate, some graduate work at ACU. Uh, I graduated in fall of 2017 from my undergrad, though, and took about a year and a half off of school. In that time, I got married to my beautiful wife, Sierra. <laughs> that Santi, <laughs> Santi also knows. And uh, yeah, at that time, I was working for the International Rescue Committee. Uh, I was out of college, all of a sudden finding myself in a career, and uh, then I met the chaplain at ACU here at the well, named Cyrus Eaton, and ended up going to work for him, still there now, really excited about this semester that's about to start, as crazy as it may be, and yeah, I mean, my title there is the Graduate Assistant of Discipleship, so crazy. that's what we're up to. Dude, so starting off, I remember that um, you were in club, right? Yeah, yeah, I was in club. I, I pledged with GSP. Okay. Cool, yeah. cool, cool. So, uh, dude, this is a, you know, it's fall semester. I don't know how pledging is going to look like with COVID, uh, but uh, I just remember that you were really involved in club and you had all these different experiences and why not. So, dude, I just kind of wanted to talk to you about that. What what was something that was good and something that was bad? You know, that kind of dichotomy, something that was very beneficial and that you really enjoyed about club Yeah. and something that you you know, you regret about it. Um, yeah. I, I just wanted to ask you about that. No, yeah, very fair question. I think often there's the stigma or the tension of, oh, like, what? what's somebody going to say about club? Um, because there's so many things moving, so many moving parts there. But I just want to first off say that I almost didn't pledge. So as involved as I got later on, I was, you know, not, not on the train there at the beginning. Um, but once, long story there, somebody convinced me to pledge, um, and I just kind of jumped in and, you know, it consumes your schedule for a while. Something that I really enjoyed was that I was able to make some friends um, that really I definitely wouldn't have made otherwise. And I and if you know anything about GSP or really now getting to the point most clubs at ACU, they're so large that the entire club is not your community. Mm-hmm. You know, part of it is and, and you do things all together. But what, what I was able to experience was that once I got off campus junior, senior year and I had to, you know, move into a house... I ended up living with some guys that we had this shared experience of club that was an aspect of our life, but it wasn't our entire life. Uh And those guys, I mean, a little bit cliche, but ended up being, you know, the groomsmen, my wedding type thing. That's amazing. Um, And still talk today. And, and not that I graduated forever ago, but I mean, especially if you're listening to this and you're about to graduate, you'd be surprised at how quickly out of touch we can get with some of our friends from college. And so... To say that we still talk today and have made an effort to see each other is maybe a little bit more powerful than, than mm-hmm. you might think it is. Yeah, yeah. And so that was just one aspect of club that wasn't even necessarily that it was club. It was that I found myself in this larger quote-unquote community, but it was where I was able to get into a smaller community and exactly. move into a house with some guys that, like I said, had a shared experience and we found ourselves interested in the same things, yeah. et cetera. So. Yeah, club kind of like provided you the opportunity with those people just being there already for you to meet versus I never pledged, but yeah. I found I found a community of friends and stuff from church stuff. So they kind of work the same way where, you know, you just kind of are introduced with a lot of opportunities to meet people. And then yeah. these people become really good friends with you. And then you start living together and then et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, it just goes. Awesome. So that's like a really positive experience about club. Yeah. Um, is there something that you look back on that you're like, man, like, or, or something that you're like, you know, I'm, I'm thinking here pretty in abstract terms, but you know, there's pros and negatives about everything. 
For sure. I've realized some people, like you mentioned, that club wasn't your entire life. Mm-hmm. But for some people, it kind of is. Yeah. So I don't know. Do you have any any sort of warnings or any sort of advice or caution on certain aspects about club? Yeah. Um, there's varied experiences with club. Yeah. And, and that may be true of everything, but it is especially true of social clubs just because there are so many things that they're going to keep as a kind of secret from you before you get in so that there's this quote unquote rite of passage once you Mm -hmm. get on the other side. Um, And so whenever people say that they didn't enjoy that, I would completely understand why because you have no expectation of what's going to happen. And then all of a sudden you're fully committed to something that you don't really know exactly what you signed up for. Mm -hmm. Maybe Um, that being said, that wasn't as much of a problem for me. I, Enneagram shout out here. I'm a three. And so if you know anything about that, it just, I definitely have a tendency towards adaptability, which Mm -hmm. is just lucky um, in this situation. And so, but what I do regret, I will say to get back to the question from club is that, and this is really true of ACU at large, but especially once I got into GSP, we have such a false perception that everyone we know because they're at ACU or because they pledged a Christian, Christian social club is a believer or has a faith, or Mm -hmm. that quote-unquote are not struggling. And I had proximity to people because of club. We had shared experiences. We had a foothold in each other's lives because of the time and energy that we were committing to one another. And I sometimes look back and think that I really wasted some opportunities to Mm. reach out to some young guys that uh, I just assumed were doing good. I just assumed, you know what, like, I know them. Yeah. Like the whole ACU, like, Oh, you know, no, no, you know. And we all quote unquote know each other. Yeah. I don't know if I, I gave my, my best at reaching out to some guys who were a little bit lost, a little bit in the dark Mm -hmm. in some of their college years. Yeah. So I regret that. I understand that. I feel like there's a difference between, because so often club, I feel like substitute substitutes. I don't know how to say that, but um, it's almost like this dichotomy between like church and club, right? Yeah. And, and, and I'm speaking here as church as an institution, right? So I'm doing the quote unquote hand signage, yeah. whatever that is. <laughs> but um, I feel like there's this kind of dichotomy where where it's like, oh, you're involved with church or you're involved with club. And I wonder if we get out of the definition of like what church as an institution is and we treat it as like legit the people of God. Mm-hmm. There's an aspect in which club can interact with the kingdom of God. So even even you mentioning like man, like I have a couple of friends and why not? And you know we, it seems like y'all are pretty intimate. I mean it, y'all live together and stuff. But right. there's the aspect of not just community. There's the aspect of the intentional community. Right. Because I feel like club can so often too become a thing where you're just you're not pursuing an end other than being in club. Yeah. But and that's the call for for a club, sure. But the the call of us as a community of of as a people of God, right? Um the end goal is Jesus, which means it adds a certain component to your community that makes it very intentional, right? Like you it doesn't matter if you sit down and you know like what what each other's pets names are. <laughs> you know, right. that's fine. But there's an aspect that is deeper there like you were mentioning, right? Like something that concerns more intentionality instead of just pursuit of nothing right yeah 
Yeah, and something I actually did right as COVID hit and everything was getting a little crazy and students are off campus, but we're obviously still working and still trying to do all these things. Working in the spiritual formation office, I had the idea to reach out to the newly elected club chaplains because a lot of clubs will nominate in the spring and you've got these people in new roles Mm. all across the country now that are going to be coming back in the fall trying to lead their people. And I just want to say that talking to some of those chaplains, you know, in April and, and May, was some of the most encouraging experiences I've had at ACU. Awesome. Because I see the heart that the chaplains have. And they're really the big connectors between what we're saying right now Mm -hmm. in an intentional community as the body of Christ versus people who get together and play intramurals together. And that being the end of it. And it was so incredibly encouraging. And my invitation to them was to, uh, to really keep pulling that thread. Keep pulling the thread of, I want to see this turn into something more and something better. Mm-hmm. And so whether it was the, you know, Gata chaplain who basically told us that an entire night of pledging is dedicated to the chaplain leading, I was like, my goodness, how, what does that communicate to your people? That's beautiful. That's awesome. That's beautiful. Yeah, that's a great thing. That's saying that we really, really value this thing here. Mm-hmm. Um, or even the chaplain of Siggy's was just on fire for leading some young women her age to be closer to Christ. Yes. Or Koji Cruz is a thing. The small groups that they do. I'm kind of rambling here, but No, that's great. Dude, you, that's great. That's I was great. I was just on fire for those conversations that I was able to have and want to see those chaplains who already have a heart but maybe don't always have the tools, resources or vision because we're young and and we've never led people like this before. Yeah, absolutely. Um just really come to fruition as those chaplains just push to see people not just join for the sake of joining, but to find community and and be pushed in their relationships mm-hmm. with God. Yeah, so. absolutely, absolutely. I think that's a very beneficial aspect about club. Yeah, uh, dude, that's the one thing I regret about college. Mm-hmm. One out of the two. One studying abroad, but it's kind of unfair because I was already studying abroad here. So, <laughs> uh, never mind. So that's kind of like a no-brainer. But the second one is, uh, dude, the ski trips. Yeah, I would have loved to go on a ski trip with just a group of people that are kind of. I mean, you do stuff with, uh, like, GSP. I mean, y'all have a, a yearly trip, right? Yeah, yeah. Dude, I would have loved trip. that. I would have loved that. We should have invited you, Santi. Dude, I know. Well, too late to to live in those regrets. Kind of like, <laughs> life hopefully moves forward. <laughs> so, uh, n- n- nevertheless, let's just uh, keep on moving over here. Is it nonetheless or nevertheless? You can say both. Hmm. It's very confusing. <laughs> Not enlightening at all. Well, none, nevertheless. Um, <laughs> dude, cool. So um, here I have another question that I wanted to ask you about. And um, it's uh, what is something that you're uh, currently doing to grow in your love uh, for Jesus and for others? Yeah. Um, Great question. And I just want to say right off the bat, seeing this question and I feel like being in a place where it doesn't instantly give me anxiety is a a testament to God's faithfulness as we grow in relationship with him. I feel like Robert sophomore year would have been asked this question and immediately been caught in an ethical trap of, do I say something that I wish I was doing? Yep. Or do I admit that I'm not doing anything? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just want to say through some really uh, faithful mentors and friends in my life that recently I've been very encouraged towards seeking God. Um, so I just want to caveat that, that if you don't have an answer to this right now, there should be no shame in that question. Um, but it is a moment to reflect on what God might be inviting you into. So I'll answer. I'll answer your question now. Mm-hmm. Good so, disclaimer. 
Yeah. <laughs> so I'm focusing on two things specifically, and one of those is just plain old good fashioned time with God. And I can't tell you how many times I would have heard this answer as an undergrad and begun rolling my eyes. Um, but being honest about the fact that time with God is difficult um, because of all of the distractions that we face every day. And we don't always know exactly what it should look like for us. Or when mm -hmm. we finally feel like we've nailed down exactly what it should look like, when it stops, quote unquote, working for us, yep. whenever our heart begins to change or our schedule, we don't always know how to adapt to it. And all those things are normal. Um, That's but, totally a place where you can be right now. I mean, I've been right. I've been there for the past almost year and a half since we came back from the Dominican trip, which yeah. is so long ago. Mm -hmm. It's been literally in that spot where everything that you've been told works, or everything that you've you know you've seen that it works for other people, it's not right. working. So what do you do, right? And there's there's an aspect there that we can talk about later. But yeah, but yeah, I totally agree with you. Well, for me, what is kind of catalyzed actually what I'm doing with God now is the craziness of the transition of Corona and COVID and all those changes. Um, and so my time with God right now looks like very simply, I do it in the mornings and at night and not every morning, not every night. Don't want to lie to you in that aspect either. Be truthful that it doesn't happen every time. Um, I'm just definitely silent every time that it happens. Um, sometimes, especially in the mornings, there will be some reading of the Bible uh, during that time, but not always. Uh, oftentimes I'm praying or just quiet with God. And I don't know how to explain it other than the fact that I'm trying to submit to something that I have been told time and again is the way of Jesus. And as I submit to it longer and longer, I feel like more and more peace grows out of it. Mm -hmm. Um and so, yeah, that's what that's what I'm doing to grow in my love for Jesus right now is being very simply just committed to time with God in the morning and at night. And mm -hmm. that's that's what I got right now. Yeah. Um, and the second thing is that I feel like God has really put it on my heart to be generous in this time. Uh, we have some neighbors who we've been spending a lot of time with, a bunch of little boys. Awesome. Weren't necessarily in the best financial situation, but they had joy like you wouldn't believe. Um but we noticed pretty quickly that they would come knocking on our door, not just to play, but, but for food. Um, and that just really broke Sierra and I's heart. And it was something that we were able to do. I mean, we were able to buy some extra apples when we went to the store instead or get another box of popcorn. And even past that, now that students are getting back to campus and we got some new members on our spiritual formation team, I think that there's so many things that are shaking in people's lives right now that one of the very simple meaningful things I can do is be generous to uh -huh. people and remind them. And I, and what my hope with that is, is that I can somehow be a reflection or an imitation of Christ in saying that in the midst of chaos, there's always good gifts that God offers to us. Um, and if I can give somebody a small token to remind them of that, then, then that's awesome, man. Mm -hmm. I don't know what to say except for yep. that. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, dude, it, it often happens that I feel like a huge part of this time frame for you know i say us but but really it's more me um has been like for example the the rhetoric around covid or the re rhetoric about politics or whatever else mm -hmm. like suddenly it starts creating this sort of feeling that everything is going wrong right and yes. and whenever you only live on under that kind of like 
you could call it a narrative, I don't know, but when, when you only live under that kind of narrative, it, it makes you, um, to a certain extent, I've, I've found myself becoming entitled. What if you step back and you just start focusing on what he has already given us? Yeah. Um, I feel like that's a huge change of perspective in this time. Yeah, um, for sure. I don't know if it's, I hope it's helpful. It's for sure been helpful for me. And I would say like even just practically, if you're listening to this podcast and you're saying, okay, great, I want to like reflect on God's faithfulness. Um, something that we just did in our, our GC, our gospel community, was that we were going through testimonies. Um, mm-hmm. We were just saying like, you know what, this is a period of time that we want to really intentionally get to know each other better. And both hearing and sharing testimonies, whenever you frame them through the lens of God's faithfulness, is some of the most beautiful, heart-wrenching things that you can mm-hmm. lend yourself over to. And so if you're listening to this podcast and you're saying, you know what, I am falling into this narrative of chaos and change and everything's going wrong, like you said, Santi, start to rewrite that narrative by putting yourself into positions and experiences where you can be reminded of God's faithfulness. Go get coffee with somebody that you know. Santi and I could even benefit from this, and we've done it probably five times in the whole time we've known each other, where we step back and we go, who is Santi? Who, who is Robert? Yeah. Like, how have you been... And where have you come from type thing? Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes we need that pause uh, to slow ourselves down and remind ourselves of God's faith. Dude, which is crazy too that so much of the Old Testament uh, is about setting reminders about God's faithfulness. Like, yeah. oh, here's a feast, right? Like the Passover feast, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Or whenever they cross the, the Jordan, right? And it's mm-hmm. like, okay, set here a monument so that whenever future generations look back and say, hey, what is that? what are those 12 stones about? It's mm-hmm. like, oh, well, this is the time that the Lord deliver us from from Egypt and carry us forth through the desert into his, fulfilling his promises, et cetera, et cetera. Like there's something about remembering. Mm-hmm. And we as modern Westerners, like this has been huge for me, this idea of progress being always the accumulation of more. Right. You know, like, oh my gosh, I need to pray more. I need to read my Bible more. I have to have a bigger this, bigger that. And it's like, there's an aspect about just stopping and saying, like, man, that's still so focused on ourselves. Yeah. But there's an aspect in which we can step out of that and just say, like, man, let's remember who who Jesus has been. Yeah. And there's something about that that steers our affections. I think it's because it, you know, in the present, there are, like, bad circumstances. And those circumstances, we, like understand that the lord is sovereign and we can come to him but in remembrance there's something about you know the proclamation of the character of god that says because this is who god has been to his people Mm -hmm. then that means that this is who god is and thereby it means that's who god will be and that's hopeful right it moves us into hope instead of onto onto despair yeah Uh, I don't Amen. know. It's good. It's good. It's a lot to think about, but mm-hmm. um, for sure, I, I don't have any resources other than just go read Deuteronomy, man. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Not so good. Uh, dude, so uh, this is another question that I wanted to ask you. Uh, we've gone through, you could call it Bible school together. Again, I'm using the quote unquote uh, signage. Um, call it undergrad, whatever. So you were a Bible major, and then now you're doing grad work, mm-hmm. right? in the same field of theology and all that. Right. So, uh, dude, has there ever uh, been a time that you struggled with doubt, um, faith, scripture, whatever you want to assign to that, but doubt, um, 
and and just give us some sort of advice as to if you've been there i don't know but if you've been there right like what would you say to some of the students that that are struggling with this yeah so yeah for sure i mean i've definitely dealt with doubt in in different areas doubt about if god's calling in my life was something that i ever actually felt if if i'm still there now if i've lost it sometimes and even scripture as we take some classes how does scripture work and what are the complexities of this and Mm -hmm. um etc etc and so it doesn't matter necessarily what your doubt is about and and i'm not saying it doesn't matter and that you shouldn't think about it i mean it doesn't matter what form of doubt you're experiencing yes Yeah, yeah yeah um except for that i grew up hearing that maybe you guys heard something like this like doubt is normal or like doubt is doubt like draws you deeper or you know something like maybe people grew up hearing that and i felt like i always just like heard that and like cliched it and i was like yeah yeah yeah, like doubt is good Mm -hmm. but then when i would experience it it was nothing but confusion and scary yeah and like oh no like how how deep is this doubt gonna go Mm -hmm. is this a weekly thing or am i gonna like lose aspects of my identity or faith because of this question that's rattling around in my head and so all of that to say that um the doubt is normal and the reason that i'm reflecting on that more deeply now is because it's within doubt as we begin to explore the meaning of things that their symbolism or their significance becomes realized to us in a way that it wasn't before um and so i took a class on ecclesiology for example Mm -hmm. what does that mean wait sorry yeah great pause um ecclesiology meaning like the study of the church okay um and so we just did a lot of things there. I took that with Dr. Brad East, was a great professor for that. Um, and we got into this long conversation about communion and how communion works and why we take communion. And I'm not going to get too deep into that aspect, but I will say that in the midst of it, I kind of began to question not why we took communion. Like there was never a point where I'm like, we should stop. But I just wondered if I had ever thought about it honestly aside from the fact that it was to remember jesus and i grew up coc so our tables at the front said in remembrance of him and all caps deeply <laughs> i like the voice him. yeah mm. and uh and i'll just say this my communion since i took that ecclesiology course junior year my communion time has been so much more blessed as i reflect more deeply on the significance that it has in my life not just as this thing that i do to quote unquote remember christ for a moment here but to reflect more deeply on how beautiful it is that we have a tradition in our church that we partake in today that believers who I will never know who have in some way contributed to what I believe or how I think have all stood together on a Sunday Mm -hmm. for thousands of years and dipped some form of bread or cracker into either juice or wine. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's just one example. And you may be struggling with something that maybe seems more significant to you for doubt, but if you're if you're having that moment of doubt, I would just say engage it. That's kind of the I agree. The best advice I can give that whenever you let it rattle around in your brain and you're not taking it before people that you trust or even journaling or writing your thoughts on it, it often becomes a path that leads to nowhere. Um and that's when doubt can get scary is whenever you don't figure out why it's there or what God's inviting you into yeah. because of it. Yeah. So, dude, that makes a lot of sense. Even you mentioning engaging it because you're not fooling anybody by not engaging it right if you're just pushing it under the rug it will eventually come out Mm -hmm. so it's really important and and like you mentioned bringing it to other believers right 
because that's the aspect of community that we get to, and especially older believers. I think this is a, a big dream that we have at the well, this, this notion of multi-generational ministry. Mm-hmm. Because so often, you know, the questions, you know, the, the big questions of life, right? It's not that an older person has a better answer. It's just that an older person has had the kind of a, a more life to live and dealing with those kinds of things in order to, you know, give some wisdom or some help or direction with that. It doesn't mean that you don't talk with your friends about it. I'm just saying, like, bringing it to community. Yeah, for sure. It's incredibly important. And two, the the fact that whenever I was in college, I feel like I ran into a lot of stuff that just seemed like, oh, my gosh, this is such a fresh discovery that nobody has thought about before. (laughs) Yeah. And I have the keys to this one thing that dismantles all of faith. And it's like, no, bro. Uh, the more you look into just the history of of church, I mean, people have been wrestling with these questions for a long time. Yeah, um, questions such as, you know, what does it mean to to for for Lord to be just and there still be suffering in the world? I feel like mm-hmm. that's a really pervading question that sooner or later we have to ponder upon, and and there's the aspect of engaging that in community. Not, not as much to seek an answer, right? Like that's right. That's not the end of it. It's more like so that we learn to submit again our life so that we can actually love Jesus unconditionally. Right. Uh, you know, there's this big quote that I really love that helped me a lot in college that said, doubt is not uh, believing blindly, but it's trusting without reservation. And I feel like that changes everything because yeah. it's less about like, oh my gosh, let me just reconcile these things in my brain. Mm-hmm. It's less about that. Some things can actually not be reconciled. You just have to live in the midst of it. Yeah. And living in the midst of it has to do a lot more with prayer and silence and community, love, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, that shapes us into, into the people of God. So I feel like there's a lot of there to, to unpack um, uh, still, but that's also, I wrote it over here in the paper as we were talking, that that really at the heart of it, and you see it in Genesis 3 whenever, you know, the snake with Adam and Eve, but really doubt, I think, is the questioning of the character of God. Mm-hmm. Will he really provide the way that he said? Or are these scriptures really attesting the way that he said? Or, etc., the way that he said? And and it's this questioning to character. And that ties into remembrance. Right. In remembrance, we look back to who God is, and that informs, sorry, who he has been, which informs who he is, which informs whom he will be. And there's a lot there. Like, you know, if you came to me, it's again, going back to this trust without reservation. If you came to me and you said that not, comma, who is my wife, and comma, um, if you came to me and you said, dude, I saw saw Nat smooching with this dude over at the local (laughs) eating tacos, you know, I trust with no reservation. I say, man, I know I know the character of Nat. I know who she is. It all stems back from there from intimacy and knowledge. I don't I don't believe it. Uh, we can go talk with her or whatever, but at the end of the day, I trust without reservation because I know who she is. Well, in the same way, let's trust without reservation because we know who God is, right. by whom he had been and whom he will be later on. Yeah, and part of even that analogy is the fact that it's easy for us to see in real time and space with our husbands, wives, friends, 
everything that we've grown to know those people and some of the dangers of living in the bubble of ACU or the quote unquote Bible belt of the Southern United States tradition is that we think we know who God is. And sometimes we know about God and we know some of his characteristics and there's no like, I'm not trying to like roast anybody here on not knowing <laughs> who God is at all. I know what you mean. But I'm saying God is infinitely good, which means that there's always going to be more discover, more to discover yeah. about his goodness. Yes. And so part of that is really some of your hope, I think, with this is decide what it looks like to be a disciple after college is if we've stunted our growth of knowing who God is by thinking that we're going to peak in our Christianity in college, then all we've done is cut ourselves short of knowing more deeply the God who created us and loves us for all yep. eternity. Absolutely. And so it's an exploration with no end. What would be your advice for freshmen coming in in terms of utilizing their college years? Yeah. Et cetera, et cetera. You know what I mean, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. I do know what you mean, yeah. So I feel like we've already hit on this point a couple of times, but just to be abundantly clear in it, um, you know, I'm, what, almost three years out of college, and almost every conversation I have with some of my friends who graduated the same time as me are all about just the utter disorientation they're living in. Jobs changing. And I'm not talking about Corona. I'm talking about life Life. (laughs) post-college. Yeah. Uh, Corona has just metastasized. Is that a word? I don't know. You're smarter than me. (laughs) Nobody Google that. Just know that that's the right word. Um, And... The reason being, I think, is because we put so much stock into ACU being the beginning and end of our faith journey that we all graduated and we found that we had spent very little time engaging in our relationship with God on our own, but rather regurgitating the truths that others had found in their quiet time with the Lord. And that may sound harsh or or sting a little. But my hope is that it would spur you on as a student, if you're listening to this, to realize that there is no amount of experience or knowledge that ACU or Hardin-Simmons or anybody can give to you that is going to fulfill your life or relationship with our Father in heaven. Mm -hmm. And so if I were a first-year student, again, and I wish that somebody would tell me something, it would be to learn how at ACU or Hardin-Simmons or wherever to love the Lord in my own life um, and in my future because I spent way too much time trying to figure out how to look like the most spiritual person in the room in college instead of just being genuine about the fact that I wanted to love the Lord more. Which is the more, the most, or at least the goal of all spiritual formation, all spiritual formation. Right. So it's kind of counterintuitive. I feel like the older, the, the older, disciples that i get to meet that i'm like oh my gosh there's something about you that has been transformed by the presence of jesus that i want and let's sit down and talk about what is that right uh the older the younger disciples i meet are all like driven super pumped about it they have really quick answers whatever else Mm -hmm. but the older people that i meet yeah that have that kind of fruit they're all people who are generally very quiet, very still, very kind, very broken. I think I said that already. Um, just in this kind of state of self-emptying, 
instead of being more. Like as a college student, I remember being like, oh my gosh, I need to be in leadership and this and this and this and this and that. And there's something about like, no, 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 I'm just, I kind of want to take the the last spot over here and serve in the silence. Yeah. I feel like that's where I've noticed a lot of transformation in, in just older older people. Yeah. So, and I mean, what does the way of Jesus have to tell us about that? That like, mm -hmm. we only know 12 names for the most part of the people who Jesus intentionally poured into. And what I mean by that is that we get so concerned with who we know and how many, how much time we're spending with this person and that person that we forget that the one person who changed the trajectory of history and our lives for eternity committed himself deeply to 12 people. And even there's a passage in John, I think whenever he's talking about the bread of life and he gets into some kind of stuff that sounds weird when he starts saying, you'll eat of my body and drink of my blood. And it says, and many of his disciples left him at that time. And Jesus turns to his 12 and he says, basically, are you going to leave too? Are you guys out too? <laughs> and I think Peter is like, where would we go? You are the Messiah, basically. And Jesus I don't think we always realize the weight of that first off with Peter's response, but also the fact that Jesus was like, I think I'm ripping this quote off one of my professors, profoundly disinterested with like the efficacy of his messages. Like he wasn't counting how many people jumped in the river afterwards to get baptized because he was committed to the 12, knowing that they would become agents of redemption with his spirit into the world. And so I say all that to say, that I chased down way too many pointless leads when I could have just been committing myself more intentionally to fewer people. To fewer people. Especially yeah. if, and that, this is such a gift, whenever you get to discover those people freshman year. Yeah. I feel like, mm -hmm. yeah. And that's hard. Yeah. Uh, my, my friendships changed after freshman year drastically. Yeah. But there's something about, there's a, just really quick before we wrap up, um, what are some traits Let's say that there are people that will steer you up towards Jesus mm -hmm. freshman year. And these are the people that you're like, man, for four years, I'm going to commit to these people. Yeah. What sort of traits would you be looking for? Does that make sense? Is that yeah. a superficial question? I don't think it's superficial. Okay. I think um, I think that there is often, I see this, I've seen this all of the years that I've been at ACU. There'll be a friend group or a friend pair and some sort of inevitable drama or tension occurs. And the only reason that those friendships don't continue is because one or both parties are unwilling to own up to their own mistakes with it. And so the guys who I was telling you about that I lived with before, I've hurt them in some ways and they've hurt me. Um, and not because we had it figured out, but by the grace of God, we're willing to confront and be repentant towards each other. Um, and so if you're finding yourself in groups of people who uh, really just want to be your friend because it's convenient for them right now, because maybe you guys both like rock climbing and going to Sonic, um, but then when times get tough, somebody's out, and that person may, may be you, and you may need to be challenged in that to, to have a depth of relationship that's willing to say, I'm sorry, or I was wrong. Mm -hmm. um, that's where real friendship and real community is gonna gonna be found. So maybe just you know, people who get going when the going gets rough mm -hmm. is really what you want to find. Yeah. Well, and that takes a lot of time. <clears throat> yeah, um, that takes a lot of time. So again, all things take time. Mm -hmm. All things that are good. Mm -hmm. But dude, um, Robert, thank you so much for for coming. 
I yeah. really appreciate you, man. I feel Thanks like you've, me, Santi. you've attested being a man of character. And I feel like that would that will take you very far. So, uh, nevertheless, not to get emotional over here, but uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, hope that this episode was helpful. If you have any questions or comments or would like to be in the loop about what's going on uh, during the fall, uh, send us an email at college at com, Or you can also follow us on Instagram at thewellcollege. Um, and that would be our username. So see you next time. Thanks for tuning in and hope you're having fun. Bye.